Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. burrowcom slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, welcome back to the Out of Spec podcast. We have with us special guest Martin Lee, or sorry, Martin Lee from the EV News um, podcast. And um, yeah, we are excited to be joined by him. Of course, we spent a lot of time with him on the Inside EVs podcast and just hanging out on Twitter. Um, but he is joining us from across the pond. So good evening, Martin, or afternoon. It, what is that over there? Uh, yeah, it's evening time now. It's dark outside. It's the evening and still morning time for you. Because I, you know what? I only realized today when you and I um, were chatting on Twitter, and I'm like, I'm five hours ahead. You're like, no, dude, I'm, we're mountain time. We're seven hours uh, sort of behind you. <laughs> and that explains because for the last two years, uh, we've all done the Inside EVs podcast. And <laughs> Like half the time, Kyle, you will be like, oh, I just got out of bed. And I swear to God, I'm I'm like, this dude can't drag his ass out of bed for 9.30 in the morning. Like, what's he been? And it's actually 7.30. So I feel not that bad, but I do feel slightly bad for thinking, my God, this, like, this dude is lazy. Right? You have more of an understanding now. Like, well, nine, a lot of times I'm in California too. So it's really 6.30 in the morning. Because I was in California like half the year last year, uh, seemingly. <laughs> and so, yeah, you know, at this Oops. point, yeah, don't worry Oops. about it. Okay. All right. So, yeah. So, Martin, we're big fans of your show. Um, give us Sorry brief... to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, hold on. But before we do that, I do this podcast every week with Martin called Inside EVs. And if you're an electric car nerd, you probably already listened to it. And we have the most, the, I think, the best group of hosts on that one podcast we have everyone so different uh everyone excels in their own little niche but how did it start because i don't remember how the inside ev started other than you reaching out to me saying do you want to do this show with us yeah it started because i was talking to a sponsor who no longer uh, they sponsored the first year that we were on the air um, Did and we even run an ad for them? No, I'd, I'd love to know where that money went. I didn't see any of that, any of that money. Um, I was in a meet. This is pre-COVID, so 2019 pre-COVID. I was in a meeting room in London in January, uh, and they make components. They're like a, a tier one supplier to the automotive industry, and they were spending big on their big push into electrical, as as all of them, you know, as everyone is is doing. And they said, "But we'd love some more outlets." And I said, "Well, we could create you." A podcast and we have this website called inside evs and i've got some friends that work on that and we'll make you a podcast every week and you can sponsor it for the first year um and uh and they did because i did i did interviews with their technicians and their engineers and we put it out on the channel uh so so they sponsored and so that's what that's what brought us together and then that sponsorship ended and we carried on doing it because we all love doing it and it's a nice way to spend friday just chatting to friends and and then you know many thousands of people tune in and watch but uh you know really it's just about the four of us seeing what we've been doing for the last week and driving cars and our opinions and we are all so different on that podcast as well and everyone's got different styles and uh, ages i think we all genuinely hate each other a bit which is a, yeah. a good sort of uh, uh yeah 
camaraderie that we have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so that's that's how it came together, and I absolutely love doing that. Um, uh, and it's it's it, you know it's opened me up to a whole new audience as well that's discovered the podcast since then. So. Yeah, well, I've been a fan of EVU's Daily, which is uh, your personal brand, your your podcast that you've been producing for four years as yeah. of last week. So congratulations to that. Uh, yeah. Incredible achievement to literally almost every day produce the show. Yeah, so that was, uh, so four years ago, it was just a Twitter account. And it was me just tweeting random stuff to five people about electric cars. And, and, that, and that was... Um, really, I was quite happy with that. But my wife said to me, you've got to stop talking to me about electric cars because listen, she's like, I, I love you, but I really don't care. And so I thought, <laughs> well, if I start a podcast, I can talk to, again, nobody because no one listens to a podcast at the start. Um, it's not like YouTube. Discoverability is really hard. And so I came out here to my, this is the back of my garage. So I have a, um, a double garage. But it's a double lengthways garage. I'm sure they have a name. It's not a double. So you can garage, do like but... one car in front of the other. Yeah, right. So this is the back half. So the other side of this partition wall is you know my garage. I'm in the back. The, sort of the back I never knew that. That's amazing. <laughs> so I'm in my garage, uh, but it's 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 plastered. I've got I've got carpet and heating and lighting and air conditioning, and uh, and so I came out here four years ago and just started a six minute podcast. Uh, the time as it was, it's now half an hour, and uh, and talked about electric cars and I put it online and I tweeted about it. Um, I had. I definitely, well, I had one listener because it, I checked that it published. I know my mum listened. Um, bless her. Like, she doesn't know what, like, what's going on. Although four years later, she gets her first EV, which is great. They're in their early 70s, um, and they're getting their first electric car, which is awesome. What did they get? Um, uh, they bought an MG5 estate, a wagon. Oh, the wagon uh, one. Yeah, 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 yeah. We so, have to uh, go for, can I make a video yeah. with your mom in her yeah, electric car? Of course wagon? you can. Yeah, she's bonkers. Uh, you'll love her. Great. She's absolutely crazy. So they're getting their first EV in in in, uh, in February. And so, um, look, and like nobody listened, of course. Then you make the second and third, and then you make a hundred of them, and then at some point people start listening. Um, and then four years later, luckily more people are listening. So very, you know, very fortunate that I kind of tapped into something four years ago that um, was really early days. Um, but still had a big audience. But you know, in the last four years, lots of people have become more interested in electric vehicles and it's really exploded. And I've been able to, you know, they, they say uh, rising tide floats all boats. I've just been lucky, right place, right time. So the podcast has done very well. Um, and thanks to you, it's now in video form as well, which uh, you've hit me over the head for the last two years. I'll to take say, full credit. Start Even though making... it really has nothing to do with me. <laughs> start making video. And I'm like, oh, I hate video, but um, uh, I, don't, I, I don't really. I don't, yeah, and, and it's where, but you know what? It's where the discoverability is. Yeah, because that's where um, YouTube algorithms work for you. Yeah, I, you know what? And it works. You know, I've been obviously looking into YouTube and trying to learn a little bit about this. Like, that's a whole genre of its own like how to be successful on youtube videos which are all very successful and everyone's talking about the algorithm and, and you know all i care about is more people know about my podcast yesterday today than they did yesterday thanks to youtube and so yeah no that's it's all gone it's all gone quite quite swimmingly but somehow four years has gone past and um and we're actually talking about real cars now rather than just announcements of car makers saying hey this thing's coming and that thing thing is coming now we have some real things to get out there and talk about which is the big change in those four years so we'll get into the cars but can we talk about the podcasting as a business really quick because i've seen a lot of new shows new people getting into the world us launching a podcast how basically do you make money making a podcast because at the end of the day it's it's great for your the way we look at it is our core fans now have a way to connect with us further they get to meet our friends like yourself and learn about your business but but you've been podcasting for four years and you've come from radio you yeah. come from the spoken world how, how do you make money doing that <laughs> yeah like so overall so I I start so my background is commercial radio for twenty years. I never wanted to work for the BBC. I love working with clients too much and 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 explaining products to people and and uh, I never felt that need to go and be a public service broadcaster. So yeah, twenty like twenty two years in commercial radio when I was fourteen, um, and that was all I ever wanted to do. When you do and and you know, you're working in that environment of local radio, the national radio, it's not like you have a week to sit down and make a documentary. It's if you're doing a breakfast show, you do four hours and, and, and yeah, breakfast shows just eat 
eat content. Um, it's funny, we've, you know, when I, in my old job, we employed a few comedians over the years and some of them, you know, some of them stayed the course and some comedians who we employed to do like a weekend show or something, they sort of, they finished their first show and that's their routine, right? Because comedians spend six months writing a routine. They'll spend, you know, a few months maybe in clubs honing it and six months or a year touring it. And then they do a radio show and two hours later, you're like, that's great. Come back next week and do it all over again. So breakfast shows, four hours a day, just eat content so my, my brain was wired that when i thought i'll do a daily podcast about electric vehicles not really not a big deal now i think a lot of people find you know when you start making daily content like hell spells this is really tough but just the way that i was you know wired that that constant need to feed um the machine so it makes money in two ways um after the first hundred shows or so i launched a patreon and again with very low expectations and i thought you know three people are going to sign up. I actually had, I launched my creator account, but I had my own Patreon. And cause I used to support, uh, well back in the day, like I, I don't know if you, if you guys get top gear, our top gear, but Chris Harris, one of the presenters. Yeah. I remember um, early days. Right? Chris Harris so early cars. Chris, uh, had, it would take cars to the, to the circuit and, uh, and he had a Patreon and I think it was like five bucks that I would chip in. And, and I used to support him like I don't know, eight years, eight, 10 years ago or something. So yeah. um, I had an account already and I and I thought, well, it, actually I can sponsor myself and the Patreon fees are 5%. So if I sponsor myself for 10 pounds, it'll make it look like at least one person has sponsored me <laughs> and I'll lose like 50p. So that's, that's not a bad downside. But as it was that first month, the first month revenue was 816 pounds. Wow. Uh, like a hundred people signed up immediately to start individuals to support the show. And then since then, so that was, you know, three and a half years ago and since then you know various businesses have signed up come and gone along the way and, and individuals as well so it, it it floats around 250 people uh, mostly individuals but a few businesses as well that want to support on patreon and for that reason i've never gone and sought sponsors i've never gone and sought you know this podcast is brought to you by those kind of people right you've um, always liked your 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 patreon yeah. followers you have different levels of course you even have car dealerships in yeah. ohio is it that sponsor you so i mean it's pretty amazing like how do you find these people or how do they find you yeah they find and then but my biggest audience is in the u.s which fascinates me so half my audience of the entire podcast is is u.s based now, that could be u.s ip addresses but i i don't know it's just it's a mix of all cities really i gen i believe that so half of my audience are americans listening to this brit talking about evs and I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like, well, we we're enamored with your accent. So it's the, it's the accent. And, yeah. and it's my take. Because I'm so far away as well, I can have a take on the US car industry that I think sometimes when you're very close to it, um, that perhaps I see a different, I can add something to the conversation. And so um, that's, uh, yeah, um, it's amazing that people that find me and sponsor and, and, and from businesses to, so that's like, that's half the income of the podcast. And then the other half of the income was only really in the last six months and i was always self-hosted on on a, on a platform that served the podcast that i paid for like uh, an amount per month that I, it was always yep. increasing because i was always paying for more uh space and storage um and then i moved to a new host that was offering me free hosting so a big save of money uh, but also that they tapped into a, like a marketplace that would serve ads on based on where you are. So my Canadian listeners hear a different ad at the beginning to my US listeners, to my French and Australian listeners, so that you know you get a localized ad served to you. And uh, and that's the other the other half of the income really. Uh, so I get free hosting with them, but we do a revenue share. So they take some money, I get the rest, and uh, and and it's about a fifty fifty split between that and Patreon now. So it's more than enough to pay the bills of the podcast and to grow. You know we built a studio in here now um and to Icon do that turbo s coming next yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> uh, but you know like but i also have i also have a um you know my other work that i do as well and so making podcasts for formula one formula e and and moto gp and um so i do that as well so that's like that's my day job so the podcast and then i we have a three-year-old so that takes some time so he goes to bed at maybe seven or eight and then my day begins really and then i'll work till you know maybe one or two in the morning doing the podcast so two full-time jobs um, but absolutely brilliant and i could just do with some more sleep really but i wouldn't change it for the world so it's you know it's good fun and it provides um and we get to do stuff like this so how worried are you if you ever lose your voice i mean exactly and 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 the weird thing is 
Uh, I know you've been under the weather lately. Whenever I get under the weather, it goes to my throat. And so um, I hate that. Like some people always get a headache or, a, a, you know, a, a blocked nose and I always lose my voice. So maybe I should insure it. Didn't someone like didn't like one of the stars of the 80s, like insure yep. their legs or something? Really? Or yeah. like... I don't remember who, who that was, but someone yeah had like insurance on their vocal cords or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I should get insurance. I should get insurance. Like if it became yeah. my own, hey, my only living. Yeah. yeah. So, do that. Uh, so, so yeah, okay. Sure. I mean, look, I get the business. I think it's pretty amazing just personally how you did this out of pure passion first. I mean, that's the best part is you didn't say I'm going to go make money from all these people. It was, I love electric cars. You firmly believe, I know because I, I spend an hour with you every week <laughs> that electric is the future for many applications. Yeah. And um, I've learned so much just from watching your shows or listening to them and now watching. Well, and that's that's the interesting thing is we've never, with the podcast as a business, we've never chased the money and left a huge amount on the table. So at the beginning, I funded it all myself. Like people golf, right? Yep. And they'll spend money on their hobby. And this was my hobby. So I was paying for the hosting and bits of equipment that I needed and stuff. And then launching the Patreon uh, after that first six months or a little bit sooner than that. Um, was amazing that people would put money in and that was really humbling uh but then uh, back uh, those days we were also putting the show on youtube but just as an audio right so yeah, i remember uh, because that. yeah like my host at the time would just do the encoding it would just be a slate my logo um and podcasts on youtube you know i don't think they should be audio only i think it abuses the platform a bit but the first thousand shows went on youtube just as audio only and yeah. we never turned on monetization for that. Um, and then uh, I decided to stop doing that kind of simulcast because I, I felt that it abused the platform and it wasn't the right thing to do. And if you're going to do it, do it in video. Yeah. So I stopped. I stopped that. And then uh, and I've started doing it now again with the camera turned on and talking talking to the camera. But I think in that first, as we were building, I had like a, about a million a million views on YouTube, all unmonetized. I never replied to the monetized with google so left some money there and then with hosting as well like i knew we could have been selling more ads and stuff i just never i never went for it so it's only three and a half years in that we started even inserting ads and i always thought that i might i would get some pushback uh because everyone hates ads right so <laughs> i thought there's going to be an i'm going to see a drop off but that's okay because i'm going to be making this much money and uh, and it'll it, uh, but you know what more people signed up to patreon because on the patreon feed they get an ad free feed so now you've incentivized them yeah. to spend even more it's money <laughs> so it's, 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 it's absolutely bonkers the way that that's worked out i always felt i would hurt the audience by running ads and as it turns out they're like it's fine i'll pay five dollars i've got a little rss feed that you can copy into your podcast app and you get it all ad free and it's actually made more money and and people are happier so they they pay they get ad free content it's it's funny how it's 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 worked out but yeah it all comes from a place of just loving talking about the cars and the technology and um uh, yeah and i think you and i you, you and i think very similarly in that i love uh, so you know and you like driving vehicles in all conditions like my passion is is motorsport and people get really confused when i say motorsport should carry on burning things for you know for a while yet electric motorsport is really trash yeah so um, okay can we talk about formula e because it, to me it's the silliest thing ever it's a shame because season eight starts as of uh, around the time we're recording this, they're going into the eighth season. Are they doing charging that. for season eight? Uh, no, and no, supposed to be. They're going to be charging in Gen three cars, which is next year for season nine. Okay, and it's like, well, okay, well, they might need to stop for five minutes in a forty-five minute race, but then if everyone has to stop, it's when do you stop? And it's like changing Formula One tires, two seconds, refueling more like you know fifteen seconds, but that's impressive, and people watch it and go, oh, that's cool charging a formula e car for however long if it's longer than formula e stops to change uh, formula one changes tires the impression is evs are a bit rubbish because they all you do is you run out of energy and have to charge them so are even they wrong that's kind of true i mean <laughs> yeah yeah but it's just like that's not the perception they need sure. and of course this year bmw have left mercedes-benz are leaving at the end of the year they're, they're defending champions um but they'll be leaving at the end of the year and uh, Audi have left, of course, already. And so, although Stellantis are coming in with the Maserati brand and next Porsche's year, running the uh, the Taycan as the safety car, and it is the safety car, yeah, in uh, in light blue colors. It looks good, nice livery, and it's a stock. Yeah. That's a stock Taycan yep. with uh, the light bar and the safety, and they've got some and um, cage. 
They got a cage and some switches inside, probably some kill switches, some extra safety. Um, yeah, but that's not going to get. They had the IX3 last year yeah, running around in the I8. Uh, I've never driven an IX3, but it was fun watching that thing in the US because they brought it over yeah. here when it came to Brooklyn. It was you the only one in the country. Yeah. Yeah, you went to New York, and that was interesting. Seeing your when you were doing that, your take on it as someone who knows so much about electric yeah, vehicles, like, and yet you were like, "Okay, I've ever done." <laughs> <laughs> I went for a two-day race, and I watched forty minutes of no noise. Yeah, and then they're like, "You got to use this boost function over here." Yeah. And you go to this, then you get a, a boost. I was like, "Just drive fast and Just craft quickly. stuff." Yeah, my <laughs> first, so my first experience of. Um, a Formula One car, which I love Formula One. And uh, my experience of that in the 90s, uh, my stepdad was um, thinking about doing some marketing. They didn't end up spending any money. But at the time, we we were watching the touring cars. So back when it was the um, Volvo T5, is it T5? What's the, the estate car? Um, right. The, so you, you, uh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I don't the know. Volvo what R, the, the crazy fast Volvo wagon. Yeah. Um, and the Alpha 156 and the Ford Mondeo that uh, uh, Nigel Mansell was driving. And, and when touring, British touring cars was, was really popular. And we we're watching that. And then Formula One was testing on the back circuit of Silverstone, like the, the back half. And the the sponsorship marketing people that, that had invited us, they were like, hey, we can, we can get you in to go and see. And McLaren were testing with. Mika Hakkinen, I think it was the driver, and it was a, a 90s fire breathing uh, V10, probably. Oh. And and we got to just jump in their little their little golf cart, got waved through security. And there's the McLaren team, all the testing team, uh, putting the car together. And I got to stand just you know a few meters away from that car. They fired it up, and I swear to God, I can still feel it vibrate like my rib cage <laughs> shook. Um, and like being close to a a, a powerful combustion engine. You know, you think back before, like you would think, say to parents these days, like maybe put some ear protectors on your sure, kids, but sure. no health and safety. It's fine. Like <laughs> fingers in your ear, you could feel it. And that is motorsport. You know, motorsport is seeing a bunch of cars on an oval and they all come past at once. You can't, it's just an assault on your senses. And they go, nyo, 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 nyo. and then you're like, whoa. My God. Yep. So, Electric motorsport is my bugbear in that I haven't yet found any that I think is any good. Now, I also like Rallycross because it, it was made for TV. Like the, the series all those years, it was literally made for TV. Um, the races are short, sharp, a few laps, a few minutes long. Um, and that goes electric this year. So it's going to be different. There's going to be no noise. Um, and We're still jumping. Yeah, and they're going to be, it's going to be frenetic and interesting because, again, the great thing about that series is it's noisy and I don't know what they are, whether they're like turbocharged 1.6s or something. But yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. They're all on the on the start line, bouncing off the limiter, and then and they're gone. And it's like, that's, that's cool. So I think yep. electric motorsport still has a huge way to go. Uh, and uh, But, you know, so... Like the answer isn't to electrify everything; it's to get ninety-five percent of the way there, so that we go and get our our groceries on electric power. And then at the weekend, if we have a nineteen sixties Jaguar that yeah. that hasn't been converted to electric but has rather been kept in its original condition, or we want to go see some motor racing, we don't feel guilty. Like we, you know, people race horses at the weekend. I'm right that, there with you. That's the move. You know, is that's why, the move. Why buy like a new? I don't know based mini cooper and have a little three-cylinder moving you around that's not that great to drive or just make that electric because they yeah. don't really care about the engine anyway yeah give the full population electric cars and yeah. then that way we can have our motorsport racing how it should be yeah so i can drive my morgan <laughs> three-wheeler and lay rubber everywhere from the single rear wheel on the weekends yeah or even like you know i know you guys you know you live near the mountains and if you want to go to the weekend burn some stuff in some big off-roaders it, you shouldn't feel guilty or nobody should make you feel guilty about doing that or doing something that burns things because that's going to be our hobby, a small proportion, you know, yeah. and, and that's, that's the play. It's to get us all doing stuff on electric. And, and even then until we can wean whole countries off of it, like, you know, I mean, this year China will sell 5 million I EVs, know. like 5 Great. million EVs in China. And yet I don't think they've ever built more coal fired, plants right. than, they, than they will do this year so whilst right. they're whilst they are going green they're also going to be spending the next 20 or 30 years polluting stuff so 
we've also got to bear those things in mind. Like people make you feel very guilty about uh, not being green, but you know what? Everyone can do their little bit, but on a big scale as well, we need to make yeah. sure that. And and so places like China aren't going to stop building their coal fired you know power stations and stuff. So let's not all get hung up on making everything electric. It's okay. We can, you know, we can enjoy a little bit. So what about formula one though? Because my, my thought is formula E kind of, it's like where the nerds go to have fun to race right yeah. now. It's a very good entry level to perhaps a formula one career in the future. I could see that happening, you know, working your way up in the ranks, but Formula One's incorporating electric technologies that are more adaptable and relevant to combustion and future electric vehicles from larger OEMs. So <clears throat> not only is it more expensive to compete in Formula One, but mm. you also get a lot of R&D that can go back out of it. And that's the thing. Formula One has always been where, and there's the cliche of, of, of whatever it is, like race on Sunday, buy on Monday, or that, they're variations of that. But yeah. it's true, right? So it's always true that Formula One was at the vanguard of technology, whether that is in the 70s and 80s and ground effect. Uh, and then those cars were just going far too quickly because that ground effect yeah. wasn't controlled. And so, like, they were sealing off the sides of the car, having this enormous ground effect, and then they'd slam on the brakes to go into a corner. The whole car would, and, you know, Formula One had just got out of killing its drivers quite regularly, so they were quite keen to stop that. And so, uh, but even then, active suspension, that got banned. And then, uh, you know, all those things that uh, can make their way into road cars. But unfortunately for Formula One, the next technology is electric. So it's it's always been at the vanguard, but the next thing coming is to electrify our road cars, and that's not what you should do. So, you know, Formula One is a show, and so it's a case of, well, how do you make it exciting and also, you know, talk about latest, greatest technology? But equally, it's got to be, if it's the top level of motorsport, at least, you know, um, you know, for that series, it's also got to be shock and awe. And so for that reason, maybe it should just be, Ah oh, man, I don't know. Maybe it should be just these crazy V10s. Yeah, but I don't and think then, we'll ever see that again. We won't. And then when they maybe when they come into the pit lane, they have to go to electric power or something. Uh, you know, and then come down to like sixty miles an hour and something like that. But they won't do that. I don't know what the answer is, but it's unfortunate because what they want, they what they should be doing is the worst thing. Yeah. So I spoke to uh, Ola. I can't pronounce his last name. The chairman of Daimler recently about this. Kalenius. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. And so um, I was like, you know, we, we were talking about Formula E and, and basically they pulled out of Formula E, of course. And he was like, well, I'm a Formula One guy and Formula One's going electric anyway. And he's like, yeah, so why? Fool? He basically my impression was like, why are we fooling around with this little tiny dinky series? Let's just yeah. go in. So what is the future of Formula E? Because it's on rocky ground right now. Yeah, well, that's the, the crazy thing is the Gen 3 cars are next year for 2023 or season nine because their seasons can, can sometimes and have historically straddled calendar years. Um, and they, you know, like you say, they've said, oh, we're going to do recharging, refueling halfway through, and we're going to have this technology. They, they put those details out there without being ready. Now, I think it's one thing for, you know, Tesla to do that and say, oh, we're going to have these cars and then wait for the technology to catch up and then release them for a race series. They've backed away from some of that. And then this week I saw that the gen three cars were embracing something to do with fuel celly stuff. And it's like, come on, you know, you need a really clear, it's like, it's difficult because extreme E only had a few races this year has a very, very clear green message. We're making these crazy off-road vehicles, um, and we travel around the world, and we clean up. We you know we leave places better than we find them, and we we raise awareness for whatever that local area has to um, increase awareness of. And then they leave. And then so for this year, twenty twenty two, they won't go back to the same places. They'll go to different places and race around those. And I was fortunate enough that the last race of the season was was about ten minutes from me. And and in a that's, field. yeah, right. But that's a series that has a very clear proposition and an objective and point and and i think formula e kind of falls unfortunately for it falls between the cracks a little bit failing to get the public's imagination uh, you know i don't mind the cars not being as fast as other series 
Sure, that's fine. If, that's on a level playing field, but they're not sustainable. Like the event is, let's put everything in planes, everything in yeah. boxes. We throw yeah. them out, we repackage. I'm like, this is burning and just yeah. burning the environment. It would be, I, this is why Extreme is so cool because like you mentioned, they leave places better than when they found them. Formula yeah. E is such a, a resource burn. And I don't think the automakers get anything out of it because well, no, all the powertrains are supplied by someone else. That, and that's the thing. So, so we talk about how impressed we are lately with Lucid and the efficiency of the Lucid Air. And of course, their, their, their heritage as a Tiva is all about technology for Formula E. And the thing that the, the automakers want to work on over this decade, which is, well, firstly, getting supply contracts for batteries, which some of them were late doing, going back to the mine to work out where there's raw material, which they've never had to do before. So the whole auto industry is going, oh, crud. Like, now we've got to use the blockchain to work out where our cobalt came from to make sure no kids were hurt, okay? But so they're having to do that. And the, the differentiator in the future is going to be the, the powertrain and the battery technology. Because, sure, you can buy it off the shelf, but if you really want to do it at a reasonable price, you're going to have partnerships, the way that GM are doing it with LG and um, you know Tesla did it with Panasonic. And so that's the bit of Formula E that is a completely spec series. So yeah, this is they, where it hurts it the most. You should. So say, why would why wouldn't Mercedes be in it? Because they're just like buying Atiba stuff. So yeah, it, it, I, this is where they have the biggest opportunity. Make the cars different. Just open it up. Just say, yeah. look, it's gonna it's gonna cost you money to be in the series and and some people will drop out because of that but open up the regulations and have have it free and be like you're allowed to store 50 kilowatt hours of stored energy and you've got to do 30 laps and we'll see you at the finish line and see yep. who gets you know? and and that's where the car makers might be interested but also as we kind of seen lately with lucid which is crazy efficiency and um you know and then other things like the light year car and stuff like that like there's going to be a point where the average battery pack size of electric vehicles starts coming down. In fact, last year, I think it did come down um, in the US at least because cars will get better. So why carry around 100 kilowatt hours when you can carry around 50 if that's your use case for that vehicle? And so actually what Formula E, like the the, the, the regulations of motorsport, which is to go balls out and to be the best. And, and, and then where the automakers are now, a few years into electrification, there are odds because... The car makers want efficiency and they just want how do we make the like the best possible road car? Well, look, combustion has been around so long that, that they can um they can afford to be like, okay, how do we push the boundaries of getting like the last little bit out of performance? And uh that's not the case with electric right now. They're now working out how do we even do this and how can we get cars that go 400 miles with the smallest possible battery? So even then, I'm not sure it would work. It's a really strange thing. I feel bad for Formula E. It's not something that I tune in to watch. And I love electric cars. Um, yeah, same here. It's never captured my attention. Even after sure. attending the race, it was a great time for 45 minutes. <laughs> I like, okay, now I can go home. Um, and there was so much fanfare and this, that, and the other. I don't know. It, it, they, they just played it up so hard yeah. that it was disingenuous, if you will. So yeah. speaking of production cars and smaller battery packs, what do you think about the Hummer EV? So this is from a British perspective yeah from your perspective this is a huge truck that needs yeah. yellow dots because it's too wide what, what do you yeah. think about this it's it's not a car that we have uh, it's not a truck that, that that we are trained to have an opinion on if you like because the the image of a hummer is well of the humvee so first of all you know the brits and the USA were involved in the, you know, the original Gulf War. We did that together. Um, and and so American stuff would be reported, you know, as I was growing up and you'd see the news and they would talk about the Humvee and, the, you know, I think it was the Gulf War at least where that was that was out there. And so then, you know, Hollywood culture, Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Hummer. That's our whole impression of these stupid, ridiculous, oversized vehicles. And as, as you, you guys know, I've told you this story before. When I came to Miami uh, a couple of years ago, and um, uh, they were like, it's fine. Uh, Tesla gave me a uh, Model X to drive while I was out there. I felt entirely in proportion with the average person because there's these massive trucks coming past me, like with one dude in trying to look over the steering wheel. And I'm like, what the hell? 
Over here, a Model X is a genuinely huge vehicle for our roads and the kind of cars we drive. And in Miami, it just felt like, well, this is kind of normal. Like, it's kind of something... small, actually. Model yeah, X, do something I a bit bigger. It, and I'm like, it's not big enough for what we need. So Hummer EV, personally, I'm not into it, by the way. I don't think yeah. it's it does anything for me. Rivian is the right size because it's like a Tacoma. Are you familiar with the Toyota Tacoma? No, this, no we don't get that. Yeah, but it's like a smaller pickup truck, uh, Nissan Frontier. You probably don't get that either. No. Um, oh, yeah, it's like the Mercedes pickup truck. You know that one? Okay, right. Okay, That's a Nissan Frontier underneath. So it's that right. size. A Rivian's like just a hair bigger. And that fits pretty well everywhere. It can go on trails. It's more adventure -y. It doesn't really accomplish the work truck thing neither does the hummer ev so i just don't know why you'd buy a hummer ev over a rivian personally other than bigger battery pack more yeah. power this wants <laughs> to freedom some, pe some people just want to have challenges when they do their day-to-day -day life like parking like they just want to go somewhere and think oh i don't know if this will actually work i think a great video idea would be taking a hummer ev from one end of london to the other avoiding major roads because i don't think it could actually do it some of your roads and alleyways are just <laughs> small. You're absolutely right. A, <laughs> a, a um, an imported F-150 came through left-hand drive, uh, came through recently, and it was literally like the size of our buses. <laughs> it's like it's amazing. F-150 isn't that large here. No, no. Um, but I don't know. So yeah, we don't really have any. It's not a truck that will come here. It won't fit on our roads. It won't fit in our parking spaces. Um, and we just don't have, it won't go through the drive-throughs, uh, you know, the McDonald's would definitely not be wide enough. So <laughs> it's, it's so culturally, you know, for us, it's Hollywood. It's, it's Schwarzenegger, it's Hollywood. It, it's, it's kind of this exuberance, this, it's the, the cliche side of Americanism, but I guess it is, it is real. For it's you, not so cliche in some places. <laughs> uh, my, my friend and colleague just saw one. Uh, I think it's the first one to arrive at a dealer. And uh, it was at his local dealer. He actually works right across the street. He went over there for the dealership owner. And he's like, this thing's huge. And the battery pack's like a foot and a half thick. Wow. <laughs> like, yeah, it's wild. Um, wow. so, so maybe not about the Hummer EV, but what, what are you excited for in 2022? Because the thing that I like about your show, if our audience isn't familiar, is not only do you cover the cars, you cover the infrastructure, the power generation, the cool apps that can integrate with your home for different type of use stuff. So what's what's big in your world coming this year that you're excited for, whether it's cars, uh, ID Buzz, by the way, I'm super pumped for. What, what's, what are you thinking? I'm excited about cars that become power sources. And I don't think you need any more than about two or three kilowatts out of it in order to be genuinely useful on the trail, camping for the weekend, um, to provide light power, cooking on a little induction hob when you're in the middle of nowhere. I think when the EV6 and the Ionic 5 from Hyundai came out, they were the, the first ones to make a song and dance about it. But now the MG ZS EV, the new one, that comes with it as well. I think that'll pull about two and a half kilowatts. And I, I hope that makes its way to more cars. I'm also really excited about what VW are doing. And I say that as someone caught up in Dieselgate. So I had a, a Golf Blue Motion, a 2010 Golf Blue Motion that was caught up in the the, the scandal. And how did that work in the UK? Did they buy the car back or no? They did nothing wrong. So oh. th the great thing is, you guys had rules. So you guys were like, you know what? When we're making the rules, let's put a rule in to make sure no one does anything sketchy with what they say about emissions. So in the US, VW broke the rules. Over here, they must have had a meeting and be like, should we put that in as a rule? Like nobody would be, <laughs> nobody would even try it. So actually they've done nothing wrong. Really? Like, what, I had no idea. Oh, I can't say that they've broken any rules. I'm, Cause I, you know, I'm here on our legal system and stuff. So I'd be yeah. very, I, I'm always so careful what I say about VW because for my US audience, like there's car buybacks, there's Electrify America, there's a huge fine. And over here, they took the car back and they reprogrammed it. They put the new software update in back at the dealer. But there's no admission of of doing so any just wrongdoing. Like a recall campaign. Yeah, it was like, oh, we need to do some remapping. Yeah, the car is doing some funky things when it's in cold weather and stuff. Just for just for reliability. Uh, so uh, <laughs> so we'll it do dramatically some... change the way the car drove after the no. remap. Okay, couldn't so tell. Couldn't tell. 
couldn't tell. And uh, so I was caught up in uh, up in that. So that was that's kind of my background. That was the VW I was owning at the time, which is what got me into thinking what else is out there and kind of my interest in 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 electric vehicles. But um, um, but no. So <clears throat> so I'm still I'm a bit bruised by VW, but it's a different management team. Herbert Deese is doing an amazing job there. I hope he yeah, stays. Herbert hope... Deese was at BMW with i3 at the time. Right. So uh, he's doing all the right things. And I and, and so what's happening this year is all the ID cars will get a software update and VW are releasing their home uh, wall charging unit that is vehicle to home, vehicle to grid on a CCS plug. And I don't know what month that is penciled in for, but again, they've put the press release out. I've reported on it. Everyone's gone, oh, that's really nice. But this is the world's largest, second largest car maker, depending on how they've done. They've just fallen behind Toyota again uh, by about a million units, I think, for 2021. But still, like a huge, huge automaker introducing vehicle to home, vehicle to grid with their own home charger on CCS, not Chadamo. And people have got these cars in their driveway already waiting for a software update. Like, so is it existing vehicles on MEV yes, platform, yes. every single one of them? I don't think that significance of that, as I understand it, has been uh, you know explained to people. And so that's super cool. Like that, but yeah, you've got to buy some new hardware. Europe. So Europe, I think it starts in Europe. And yes, you've got to buy a new wall box, but still uh, not the brand wall box, but a, a home. But do you have package. to get like an inverter that you know, looks at grid power and then it'll do this back and forth? Because in the US with the power wall situation, because I have a power wall sitting in my garage, I have like seven boxes that I need to install no. first before no. I can even plug the power wall in and then get it approved and then go through all this stuff. I don't even know. I mean, from the, the presentation they did where they had it on stage and they're like, oh, and we're going to do vehicle to grid, by the way, because they just unveiled the ID. The <laughs> yeah, they're like, and it's when they unveiled the ID5 or maybe it the ID4 the GTX. Or the Life. It was before yeah, and, the Life, wasn't it? And then they were like, oh, and if you, you know, so, um, so I don't think, it, you know, if it happens as I understand it, that's what I'm most excited about this year because I think it has the potential for lots of people to start to integrate cars into their life and how they power and pay for stuff, which is I find super, super interesting. I didn't really know or care what a kilowatt hour was until I got an EV. And then when you do, you're like, well, why am I paying for so many of them? Uh, you know, you look at your electricity bill and you start to understand it a bit more. So that's, I think that's going to be a big thing this year and going forward as well. You know, so that our office is at Colorado State University, which does a ton of research into topics such as this. And uh, they're building a new building right next door that's going to be one of the most sustainable buildings ever from its construction to the way that it's heated and cooled. And, you know, part of that, that I don't know has been totally figured out that is the electric car charging situation. Because we're at a university, everyone drives a 2011 Nissan Leaf. And so a lot of the cars are capable of vehicle to grid uh but yeah. is that the case in the uk by the way where like every professor drives an old leaf because in the yeah, us that's it's, what it's bound to be yeah i think so yeah <laughs> i don't know why i guess just because they're cheap and electric i don't know uh but like yeah they're literally the entire parking lot's full of leaves uh leaves or leaves i don't know leaves, um, probably, yeah. it would be interesting <laughs> to see if we could come up with some sort of solution to charge the cars on a vehicle to grid situation that gets them topped up by the end of the workday, um, but then utilizes the cars, you know, throughout the day. I don't know. It would be yeah, there's a, there's a development that I want to go to this year as part of uh, uh, the podcast and they've built a bunch of houses and they've got home storage. They've all got solar generation and they all as a, as a housing estate, as a trial project of this, these new builds, they all work together in terms of grid balancing and feeding back into the grid from the solar generation and also charging their cars at the right time overnight. Um, and these trials have been going on for ages, but it's another one done at quite a large scale, but still that's ultimately the goal where our cars become this source of energy. And it means that, that we've always got some power, not just when there's a power cut, but to rely on. Um, and that will come with, with bigger batteries where you can say, look, as long as I've got 300 miles, if there's another 100 miles in the battery, you do with it what you will. That's and what I was going to say. Set your minimum comfort level for the day. You could just do it yeah. in an app somewhere. 
And, you know, yeah. for people like my mom, she may never partake in that. She just wants to do her thing. But you and me and Jordan, we nerd out. I plug in everywhere. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, I'm going to run into the grocery store. Here, take 50 kilowatts yeah. from my car because it's hot summertime and I'll, you can yeah. charge me up tonight slow. Yeah. And then you get a credit or you get a check or you get money yeah. in your PayPal from your energy company. And they're making money on the back end as well because of the the uh, of the costs that our energy companies have to pay for generation so it, it seems like it's going to be a winner all around i don't know the pace at which it goes i don't know um it should be exciting yeah it's actually easy to hear because our town has our own energy commission so That's we amazing. buy all of our electricity everything just from our town it's all controlled here so these types of projects like if we push to, to work with the school to get this vehicle to grid situation um, we would do it with our local electric cooperatives in partnership with the school. And it's just easier when it's small scale like this. So, um, yeah, we need to look into that. That would be so yeah. cool to like, just do a U.S. project here. As long as you make money, like, look, I, I do believe that inherently we just need to, it's we're all in our own self-interest. And that's not to say that we don't care about each other and the planet, but if it's going to cost you money and you're going out of your way, it's not going to work. But if there's a project or if there's a scheme or just something where you end up with more dollars and cents in your pocket at the end of the month, you will do that. Sim it's simple. Unless you don't need the money. Yep. Or there'll be people who do it as a geek because they want to get into it. But if there's a scheme where you have an electric car, you you assign away the top 10% of the battery and say, have at it, do what you will. Um, and then at the end of the month, money arrives. Uh, you've done nothing. Uh, pretty good. People will people will do it in their, if there's you know more money in their pocket. So what do you think about DC fast charging costs? So Shell recently said that DC fast charging now almost makes as much money as petrol fueling. Yeah. Gas, Same margin. Yeah. Same margin. So does, and, but know, that doesn't factor the installation costs, the unit no. costs, the running, like it does factor in the buying of the electricity, but I think that was a misleading statement. Yeah, because that's they're just they're working on the kilowatt hour served and being like, hey, per gallon of, of diesel versus that, we're heading towards right. same same margins. But so there's two things I'm I'm really excited about. There is the free wire technology, which is a DC fast charging station with a big old battery inside it, and it. I hope it. I hope it works. Um, in fact, BP are a, a BP or Shell. BP are an investor in in free wire. And yeah, I'm going you, up there if, later this week. We have a station here. I've been already been oh, over there and used it. Um, but it's amazing, right? So I if you've got in cold weather, if you are in a, a you know a, a mom and pop business or even even like a reasonable sized business, and you've got one or two 50 kilowatt DC fast chargers, the step to then add 150s or 350 high power chargers is it's not even a conversation. It's so fabulously expensive to do. To, the, the minute you dig up a piece of pavement or um you know asphalt that's when the the minute you start digging electricity installation costs are just through the roof yeah just um, dump trucks full of money needed to yeah. get the thing <laughs> yeah like the minute the grid start like if the grid provider start doing high voltage work uh, or a new substation or anything like that so many businesses are like no we can't do that we can have one or two 50 kilowatt whereas battery backup dc fast chargers um in areas that don't have 100 percent utilization so it's a bit like drip, drip, drip into the top of a bucket, and then somebody turns turns up, and you know at the bottom of the bucket you turn the tap on really fast, a bunch of water comes out, and then you turn the tap off, and no one uses that bucket for maybe twenty minutes or a half an hour. Well, that's that small grid connection you can just drip, 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 top up it's the battery. Somebody else idea. turns up. It's like it make you can put a three hundred and fifty kilowatt DC fast charger in a location where there would be even not even a a, a current fifty like a twenty kilowatt connection yeah so free enough. wire i think needs needs 100 amps of 240 volts so 24 so, you know kilowatts, something like that that i'm so excited about that kind of technology battery i mean batteries are in short supply generally in the world but battery backup dc fast charging um so you can just dump dump juice into a car and then that station might not be used for 20 minutes well that's when it gradually tops up again that i think is uh is really really exciting technology and the other one is the Norwegian company. We finally get them here now. There's one station open here in the Midlands, and that's Kempower. And oh, that is so taking, cool. Right. So that is taking away all of the brawn from 
the charger. So all of the heavy lifting is done by the cabinets. So they put in really big cabinets away from the chargers. And then the actual what they call dispensers are these very nice, elegant, slim posts. With, and, but, so all of the heavy lifting is done in the cabinets. They've got, it's almost like server racks, if that's kind of a familiar analogy. And they just put in all these power uh, generation units into the cabinet. And then a car turns up. And the, a, a Tycon might turn up and say, I'll have 270 kilowatts of power, please. And it can deliver that. And a Mazda MX-30 might turn up and say, I'll have 30 kilowatts of power. Well, if you've on just a good invested, day. <laughs> on a really good day. If you've invested in a single DC fast charger that is a 350 kilowatt unit, then you have got potentially, you know, 220 kilowatts wasted when that master yep, turns up, power. right? So that I think this load, and it, it's been done when there's been two or three chargers next to each other at that level of load balancing. But what yeah, but doing, it's not even as cool as ChemPower because ChemPower's tech yeah. is a little different where, yeah. you know, those ENBV hypercharger things that are all around Germany, they yeah. let you do one car max, two cars half. Yeah, ChemPower it's, it's is very, infinitely yeah. dynamic because... The problem with this is it's not just dispensing energy. Like with AC charging, you can do this easily because yeah. everything's going into the car at the same voltage level. And then you're just varying how much power each one gets. The problem with DC charging is you physically need to make a coupling between the charging hardware and then the battery pack to match voltage or to get nearest makes no difference. If you have a Tycom, which is an 800 volt system, and an MX30, which is a 340 volt system, well, guess what car is about to explode? It's going to yeah. be the Mazda. It's just going to... Yeah. And so you need to have each... And this is why ChemPower is so interesting because they have large components that are able to transform AC to DC at mm. multiple voltage levels at varying power levels, which we've never yeah. seen before. And, and that and, is the future. And, and, and that's part of, uh, you know, when a car turns up and we talk about the peak charging rate all the time, but... That is generally a very short amount of time. And before too long, that Tycon's going, now I want 250. Now I want 220. Now I want 200 kilowatts. And so... Yeah, it's only 10 minutes whilst, at max. Right? So then there's maybe there's 10 cars turned up and, and, and another car turned up, but the third car turned up is a um, is a, an ID3, which can pull 125 kilowatts or so. Uh, and that... But they might have pulled up. And if you do it equitably, then the software goes, well, that Tycon was here first... So I'm not going to take a bunch of power from that Tycon and give it to you because they were here first. So I'll give you, I've got 50 kilowatts left in my cabinet, so I'll give you 50. But as that Tycon ramps down, and then the char every few seconds, the charger, the, the, like the cabinets can go, actually, the Tycon's taking less, so have another 20. And then in five minutes, have another 20. It's and version so that's, two supercharging. I mean, that's the genius, right, of, of, of the ChemPower stuff. And so uh, those are the two technologies I'm most excited about. And it hasn't got to be those brands that I've talked about, but just those kinds of technologies where we move into, like, charging version 2.0. The first, the, the first rollout of DC fast charging in the first 10 years of EVs was a very... You know, it was a hammer to crack a nut. The next 10 years, this decade is going to be about really interesting solutions that mean you can have, say, you know, 500 kilowatts of power sitting in the cabinet, but put in 20 dispensers and the software is clever enough to work out how much power to send to each one rather than just, you know, and that's going to be key because no one wants to wait when they're charging and everyone wants the best possible charge speed. So if there's other stuff out there that I haven't seen yet, I can't wait for, you know, new, new ideas and new technology. Have you seen this Porsche mega charger truck situation? Awesome. They have like seven like, of these trailers with a 2.1 megawatt hour battery pack and 250 kilowatt CCS plugs, 10 of them. You roll awesome. up, you plug the thing. It looks like puppies feeding on their mob right there. All just yeah. like getting from the main thing. It's the coolest. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is very cool. And that, and, you know, there's only so fast we need to charge cars, you know, the, the, um, the Rimats, Nevera, uh, that was pictured recently on an Ionity station pulling three, like three, four, three kilowatts. Yeah, maxing um, that thing out. And like everyone got, everyone lost their minds. And Marte was like, well, it can pull 500, but there's no chargers that, you know, out there. Right. They've obviously got them at the, at the, you know, um, at Rimats slash Bugatti headquarters, but there's nothing in the wild that can deliver that. So he's like, well, yeah, it's okay, but it's not as quick as we've seen it. So that is mind blowing. It's only so fast we need to charge. 
Um, and then and then it'll all be forgotten about, and we can all just drive cars, and, and then we'll I charge. I agree. Then- I think this whole conversation is not necessarily about charging speed. It's more about curves. Normal people won't realize it, but like an e-tron, for example, yeah. you can go, oh, you're at 60%, you want to top up, ah, just plug it in. It makes no difference. That's if we can smooth out these charging curves a little bit um, and not incentivize people to drive down to zero like me all the time, that would make an easier experience. But I think EVs have the potential to ruin our grid or to save our grid. And so, you know, if you DC fast charge every car at three o'clock in the afternoon on a hundred degree day, that's going to ruin our grid. But if you have interesting solutions with battery packs um, you know, built into these charging stations, not only can that take some, well, basically not stress the grid, but it can help the grid because actually if the charging station's like, Hey, we've only seen two people ever turn up in this time and you're stressed out. Why don't I give you some of my energy? And yeah. so, you know, just big batteries everywhere helps. The problem is though, is sourcing all of these batteries. So that yeah. will be a topic for another day, but Yes, anyway. I'm really concerned that we don't have enough of a supply chain or even knowledge base on building high energy capacity, low degradation storage situations. Yeah, completely. And, and then and then different storage for different things. So a different chemistry for what you need to do. Like the batteries in your home storage should be wildly different from what we put in cars because the power draw is so different but until now again we've been in almost like ev 1.0 it's like well so tesla have been like well, okay we'll put some 18650s in that home storage and that only now are they using part of that battery supply deal with the chinese company catl um so that those lfp batteries that have been going in the standard range cars they're now going in all the home storage because energy density is really not a big deal when you have a bunch of stuff on a grid level or you know even your home space. levels so we are moving into a the next era of evs which i find you know really fascinating and i can't wait to see you know where they go but i love like i've learned so much from watching your videos and as you mentioned that you just go down to you know zero zero percent tom our friend tom malogny did recently with his lucid he's like yeah it got to zero and i carried on driving that terrifies me like that is about Doesn't really I, honestly, the idea of driving around a parking lot until my car stops and then pushing it. I've seen you two guys pushing cars to a charger. <laughs> we have to push the mini SE into a charger. <laughs> like, Jordan, I, I, I don't know how it's like It's like childcare with Kyle. Like, how do you, it's like looking after a, a toddler or a puppy. It's like, it terif- like, both of which are terrifying. It's like constantly putting out fires. So I don't know how you cope with them because, you know. I don't know how anyone does. I don't even know if Melissa can hear you, but she'd be agreeing too. She'd be like, oh, I've, I've got to zero and I've run out and I'm in a car park. Push me to the charger. Well, hey, I- Alyssa, take your headphones off really quick. Alyssa was driving. Can you take your headphones? Alyssa was driving the Model 3 the other day and you yeah. ran out almost at zero. No, she made it at zero percent, but you drove it. terrifies me. Miles. Two or three miles at zero percent to the charger, which Scares I've never run this life. car. That would scare me too, because this car has degradation, which means the BMS may not be in sync, which means it could run out at four, or there might be more than you think. And what was that? <laughs> oh yeah, she's got the big roof box on the Tesla and the studded winter tires, which don't help. <laughs> Hardcore. Hardcore. Who cares? Yeah. Like, ah, we'll do it. We'll make it. I mean, look, that's the that's the fun adventure with EVs right now, but that doesn't work for, for most people. Most people, 20%, I think that's when they're like, ah, plug in the car. Yeah, like my wife, if it's below 20% and we're on a long journey, she will say, let's pull into the next services, let's get a coffee and a snack, and she has no interest in, in you know. And But that's the problem, is that there's not enough in- infrastructure here. Um, and you've been to Norway, you've seen places, and actually Electrify America done a really good job of actually getting it you know, obviously you have a much bigger geographical area to cover than we do. You can get to the top and bottom of yeah, the so country. Yeah, so the coasts are fine, but Midwest, like where we live, they're every hundred yeah. miles or so. Okay, so yeah, so that's actually worse than we've got it. Um, yeah. But yeah, DC fast charging is still a rarity. And, and I, I do think the majority of people who aren't EV drivers are understandably programmed to think like filling up at a station where yep. 
I, I always did. Like, I, I was terrible. I always waited for the light to come on. Um, and when I was a student, I'd stick 10 quid in or five quid and, and, get and it up to and, a quarter tank and then run it yeah. back down. <laughs> and I'd be like, Oh I got you know, you know, when I had no money. And then there's a, yeah. you know, luckily, you know, get a bit older and you, uh, there's a point in time where I'd be like, it was empty and then it was full and I'd, I'd drive right. my car. So it was empty. And then I, oh, I'll find a filling station and it was full. And I think that's, that's the biggest barrier to people understanding electric vehicles, which is just plugging in, like just, just plug it in. So it, it might be at 80%, just plug it in. If it's on a on a level two charger and there's a lot a lot of them free, just plug it in. So that is man, it's that's the biggest mind shift which people need to make to go EV. Uh, uh and I think it happens pretty quickly once you buy the car. I think you need to, I think yeah, it you doesn't take very long, a few weeks. If, you and can't then you have start it, to be like that. But you can't have it explained to you. Like cuz if if you can you can have it explained to you and people understand it on an intellectual level but they need to feel it. And then they're like, oh, okay. I, I, it's not a big deal. I get it. It's fine. It's true. There's a lot of people with rain, like tertiary range anxiety. Like most of the people I've met who have range anxiety don't actually own an EV. They just, the thought of owning an EV gives them range anxiety. Well, you just went on your first EV road trip. Yeah. What I do you think? I didn't think about it twice, even though we had, yeah, a Model 3 that would go 150 miles on a charge. Yeah, I don't know. This thing's not doing <laughs> so hot. <laughs> How but, far did you go? And what was the trip in total? We went to Vegas, it was like twelve hundred miles, something like that. maybe, maybe less. But yeah, it's a yeah know, round trip, twelve hundred. It was an interesting route, though, Martin, because this was one of the few routes I think in the U.S. where Electra by America would have been a better experience than Tesla. Why? Yeah, because uh, all of the superchargers on this section are version one point five. They're like one hundred twenty kilowatts, and then you have to share because they split. Uh, oh. So like they were busy, and we had to share, and they were the slow ones. And Electrify America's got 350s the whole way. So, yeah, it was an anomaly because most most of the U.S., I feel like Tesla is your best experience. In fact, there's some routes you can't even take a CCS car and have a good experience at least. Yeah, but I think we've proven that CCS is faster across the country. Yeah. Although, no, the <laughs> Tesla just beat it. So, yeah. yeah, so we need some Tesla infrastructure out here, some version 3s. The problem is you look on a map, yeah, you can get anywhere, but it's like – if it's a version three supercharger versus a version 1.5 or two, whatever you want to call it, this is like a, a, a 170% time difference here. It's massive. And how do you feel about, because over here, we, early S's and X's, we've got the Tesla connector, but yeah. everything over everything since Model 3, CCS. and But and, you and mean Mark. it's a different Tesla connector than ours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. use the Type 2 that could do DC. And then, and then, so how do you feel about Tesla moving away from their own connector and moving to the common standard? Sh should they do that, or would would the U.S. Uh, buyers not take to that? What do you think? Uh, I've never actually thought about it this way, or never been asked the question this way. I think it wouldn't be a bad situation either way. But I think. In the U.S., Tesla should keep the Tesla connector and just offer an adapter, same as we do for J1772 uh, charging stations. Um, yeah, I think that's the easiest because that way you can just kind of separate the cars right now for the networks going on in the future. Tesla's paving their way. EA and everyone else is paving their way. Let a little bit of crossover happen from time to time. Um, I'm okay with the way that we have it right now, to be honest, in the U.S. Yeah, because I, I guess they could still open up the network and that's the big question. Will they open up the Tesla network to all adapters. drivers with adapters? It would still work, I guess. It's just um, CCS in the U.S. Honestly, it wouldn't matter. Like, would I, Okay, so my preference is if we were starting today, I want yeah. everything to be one of them. Whether yeah. it is, you know, I don't care which one. CCS is the one that obviously is going to be the standard. It's really clunky and like... It's the subpar standard. It's, it's terrible <laughs> to use it. Extremely complicated... Right, uh, sort of yep. uh, uh, conversations that need to happen between the car and the charger, and then it's got to check for this, check for that. Versus Tesla, which runs on CAN, which is on the Chatmo standard, which is just like, "Hey, car charger, start charging." And yep. so, CCS, in my opinion, is inferior in many ways, not only from a connector design standpoint, but from mm -hmm. a safety standpoint, from a very Germanness of engineering. Well, yep. that's CCS. So yep. it's it's apparent that's going to be the standard. I mean, we could spend three hours on talking about this but i don't think it matters one way or another in the u.s teslas will still use supercharger networks regular cars will still use electrify america and that's just the way it'll be interesting
Yeah. Well, thank you, Mike, for coming on our show and uh, you know, wasting an hour of your time. I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> It was good yeah. fun. I mean, you've had some cracking guests on so far, so I'm honoured uh, to. Uh, I mean, obviously you're running out of the good ones now. So uh, until, yeah. until the next guest, <laughs> it's all downhill from here. No, well, yeah, the next, I'm sure the next guest will be a big name, and they'll, they'll go back up again. So uh, <laughs> it's no, been good no. fun. I really appreciate it. I love your videos. I love your channel strategy as well. Um, I love the fact that you don't just dump everything into one channel. Um, I love. You can to, tell uh, everyone that here too. Just say it a little bit louder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're the one being like, "Let's launch a new thing." Um, but yes. I love that. I love what you're doing, and then with the podcast as well. I just think it's such a. It's so interesting that you can um, talk to different audiences in different ways, and not in a patronizing way, and actually not in a way that means I feel something different. But just that you know, if I'm watching your combustion reviews on one channel it's still you and your team reviewing the cars but just maybe a slightly different uh kind of nuance or just turn of phrase compared to when yep. you're driving an, an ev i love what i love what you've done and i can't wait to see what comes next thank you for watching and we should have another podcast at some point to talk yeah why why our strategy is either good bad or really ugly but we can... <laughs> we can do that it can be all three yeah well, yeah um <laughs> Uh, you can follow Martin. Uh, is this right, Martin? E at EV News Daily on Twitter. Um, yes. And yeah, see all of your great things, including you know the new short form content. So um, yeah. Kyle has. You need better thumbnails than that. <laughs> I do. I've, had, are... I've had no time. I've had no time to start even thinking about a thumbnail. Here's um, what you do: don't put any text on it. Oh, really? Just the EV Daily outside, and you. Yep. It's or or, or you, you do the thing where it's like just half of your face dramatically on the screen. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I always find that, that, that bust some moves. Rates, I don't know. I've been playing around with it. Click through rates for us. It's different for every channel. Go down with the more text that we have. Right. Is that so? This is that what is 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 it the thumbnail that started this with you in the yes. pictures? Uh, this for was our audio all a move. Uh, yeah. Kyle holding, you know, doing his. Uh, because it's recognizable. You know exactly what you're going to get when you click a video with me doing this because it's either a first drive or a review, right? Yeah. And once you've caught a couple of these, you're like, oh, Kyle doing this subconsciously means you're going to yeah. get a two-hour long video about how it drives. I feel like I feel like you've trained me like a Pavlov's dog kind of. I see that and I'm like, oh, I want to watch this. And now I realize the psychology behind it. I feel dirty and i'm off to take a shower <laughs> before i go to bed but i also quite like it as well i feel i feel slightly abused but in a almost quite a nice way so i'm glad <laughs> i'm glad i'm glad that i feel man manipulated by the algorithm and the uh, the evil genius of your thumbnail mind so well, it's just trial and error it might work it? for the next year and it'll get burnt out we'll try something new all right so from so from today i'm gonna make the video now it'll just be a picture of a car and me doing, I don't know. Yeah, some sort of. That's exactly I like, what you need. You want the, the highlight car in the backdrop, and then yeah. your face, because everyone wants to be treated to a picture of your face served wow. up on an impression. You tell that to my wife. So <laughs> <laughs> she respectfully disagrees. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you guys on another one very soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.